Consider the following, and some of the results you will hardly believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Living Full Kombucha Podcast, a podcast that is more, I deem, my verbal journal, as I discuss my journey from a former public school teacher to inclusive kombucha taproom owner and employer. My name is Lydia. Hello. I'm so glad that you're here and you're joining me today. I'm the owner of Living Full Kombucha, and I started this business endeavor in June of 2020. It took me about six months to acquire licenses, find a place to brew out of, and I began officially selling my kombucha in February of 2021 in my local community, which is in Kenosha, Wisconsin. I currently rent and share space with a beer brewery as I learn this craft and I begin to scale and I mostly sell at local farmers markets and a few retail shops around me with the eventual goal to open a kombucha tap room that celebrates neurodiversity in the brewing space, where I wanna provide a unique training and workplace for adults with disabilities to promote inclusion and independence. It's just me right now and often my supportive partner, Sean, but we are putting ourselves in situations with a lot of businesses and people along with the amazing support that we get from our customers and our online community. And we know it's only gonna be a matter of time before we grow our team and we reach a lot of these goals. This podcast is not a how-to podcast, but more of a come-with-me type of format. Remember, verbal journal. And I'm really still a baby brewer. I'm really eager to learn, but this is where I share my thoughts, what's working, some screw-ups, and things that bring me joy. And one of the things that brings me the most joy is connecting with others, which is why I felt led to come and share on this platform. I would love to meet you, whether you are a fellow brewer, you're an entrepreneur, or you're just someone who doesn't know why you're here, but you're here, what's up, welcome, and you just wanna say hello, I always welcome you to reach out to me. My email is livingfullkombucha at gmail.com, and I'd love just to hear more about you and what you're up to, and yeah, just get to know you. So before jumping into this week's topic, which is all about my SCOBY, I wanted to share what I am sipping on because it was fire. And yes, okay, I am cheating a little bit and I'm going to share what I was sipping on yesterday as right now I'm just sipping on a hot raspberry leaf tea that is bomb, but this is more exciting to share about. I had a little time yesterday morning to check out a market in Lake Geneva which, okay, long story short, I tried to get into this market because Lake Geneva is a hopping place. It's a quaint town with a lot of little shops. It has restaurants and boutiques. It's just such a fun place to visit. If you've never been, I'd highly recommend it. And it's right along the lake, and it's a really big tourist attraction spot. And they have, they've had a market on Thursday mornings for years and years, and it's a really big one. And so I called, I applied, I emailed again, called some more, but unfortunately they just did not have enough room for me because most of the vendors re-up, which I don't blame them, and I'm a newbie, but I ended up finding an amazing market on Thursday evening, so everything worked out, but I wanted to do a little market research and it's not really often anymore that I am the customer at markets, so I enjoyed perusing and I talked with a lot of vendors and I shopped a little bit. But at this market, there is a vendor named Sasha, and she has a business called Barefoot Blonde Farms. And I actually met Sasha extremely early on in my journey, and I remember listening to her in awe of all she was doing. And she was so sweet, getting excited about my products and saying to reach out back to her when I got there. And so I was like, I'm gonna go visit her. This would be so cool. I haven't seen her in over a year. 
But Sasha cultivates and sells organic microgreens, sprouts, and hemp. And I'm actually just going to read this excerpt from her website directly because it really speaks to the integrity of her business. This is what it says. From seed to body, our hemp has come into contact with less than five people. Our hemp has been grown using native farming practices and our very own soil mix on certified organic land. Grower and owner Sasha personally ensures a negative carbon footprint follows every harvest. Isn't that beautiful? She had out her beautiful hemp sun teas, which I gladly sampled all the kinds. I, I love all things tea, of course. But she also crafts juices made from her land. And I was sipping on one all day yesterday that I just have to share about. She calls it V14, which it's like a take on the tomato V8 drink. But it's packed with a lot more things that are better for your body. I recycled her bottle and I don't have all the ingredients, but I'm going off of memory here. But organic tomatoes, Himalayan sea salt, vinegar, watercress, several spices to give it an extra kick lettuce, and a lot of dark leafy greens. And wow, this was such a thirst quencher. It was a very abnormally hot day yesterday in the Midwest. It was almost like 90 degrees, which is awesome. But this really hit the spot. She also had a hemp pineapple and banana juice. Oh, I would like to probably get that next time. But we had a great time catching up and she is killing it with her plans to open not one but two brick and mortar businesses within the next year that's going to celebrate real true food, sustainable growing practices, with plans to host workshops to share with the community. And she said she would like to have local kombucha. Yes. So I'll link her below in the show notes, but absolutely check her out. And I think it's so cute because she named uh, the Barefoot Blonde Farms after her dog because... It was a beautiful golden retriever that would go run around on her farm. Super sweet. Okay, I wanted to get into today's topic on my SCOBY, and I first wanted to start that off with an update on my new fermenters, which is going to directly correlate back with this topic. I mentioned a little over a month ago that I purchased 16-gallon symbiosis fermenters, which is about double the size to what I had been brewing in before. I spent an entire episode chatting more about these fermenters and some of my anxiety going in on a previous episode called Scaling Scaries, if you want to go back and listen to that. But my main concern was the ratios of tea, sugar, and SCOBY, and if it would produce a similar tasting product to what I was making in a smaller batch. Because I am scaling and the demand for my kombucha has gone up recently, my biggest concern of all was my creating and maintaining my SCOBY. Now, I am assuming if you clicked on a podcast about kombucha that you are familiar with a SCOBY and what that represents, but just in case you're not, a SCOBY is an acronym that stands for a symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast. And what I needed to do was create enough what I call starter SCOBY to have ready for my batches, which has now been doubled. Now, this is what I find so interesting about the kombucha brewing world because I'm about to briefly dive into my explanation of a SCOBY, and it may be very different than your definition of a SCOBY. Again, I am not the expert, but I have done a lot of research, talked with other brewers, brewed a lot with different methods, and found that so far, this method and what I deem my SCOBY is how I feel my kombucha can best thrive and I feel like it tastes its best. So when you are brewing kombucha, whether that be commercial or at home, you would need some type of a SCOBY to begin brewing alongside your water, tea, and sugar, or honey, if you want to do that, that's cool. I use sugar. But once you introduce that SCOBY to your tea, it would hopefully ferment and you would have kombucha. 
At the end of the brewing cycle, you would need more SCOBY to start another batch, which most people take from the finished kombucha. For me, instead of using kombucha, which had been recently finished in another batch, I create instead a starter SCOBY, which to put it as simply as possible, is a very potent and acidic low pH kombucha, which has been aged for a long period of time. And this is where another discrepancy shows up in the kombucha brewing world, because perhaps this whole time I have been talking about the SCOBY, you are thinking about the physical pellicle cellulose mat, or whatever you lovingly call it, the blob, the thing, the mushroom, (laughs) anything, but which creates another pellicle each time you brew. When I refer to the SCOBY, I am talking only about the liquid. And that may be the first time that you hear that. I remember I was on a Facebook kombucha forum and I I read that about the, the liquid being the SCOBY and my mind was blown. But I believe the liquid itself is the SCOBY and I actually dispose of slash compost my pellicle. Inside the liquid, you have living bacteria and yeast. That yeast went to work breaking down the fermentable sugars in the tea, producing ethanol and carbon dioxide, and then the bacteria from the liquid SCOBY converts the ethanol into organic acids, our ever-loving acetic acid, which gives us that signature kombucha tang. And also in the process, because it is a living tea, it's freaking beautiful, it also creates a byproduct of a cellulose mat, aka the pellicle. Now, there are many brewers out there that call their pellicle the SCOBY or mother, and they bring that physical SCOBY from brew to brew, and it can get extremely massive. You rock that. That's awesome. I'm certainly not here to be the one to tell you that they are doing it wrong. And when I say wrong, wrong is in quotations here, because every single kombucha brewer has their own methods that works for them and a signature flavor profile that is all theirs. And that is why I'm naming this episode Dating My SCOBY. And I'm putting an emphasis on my because how I define, how I learn about, use, and share my SCOBY is entirely unique to me. Okay, this is beyond incredible. Super important. Pay attention here, okay? Did you know that everyone's culture is 100% unique from any other brewer? Even if I were to share a bit of my SCOBY with you and you used it in another batch of your own, your kombucha would taste and perform differently than mine. Not better or worse, but very uniquely yours. That's the freaking beauty of wild fermentation. This powerful living drink adapts to its own unique environment. You know, think about it, the oxygen levels, tea blends, and it produces a culture that is uniquely its own and your own. It's basically your kombucha signature. And getting to learn and understand your unique culture is basically a relationship. There is so much more to learn about my personal SCOBY, and I am enjoying this dating time where I can learn to measure it, adapt with it, get into some intense arguments with it, and cultivate something that I believe in and I want to share with others. So using that information about how I deem my SCOBY, since I am scaling to basically double, I want to go back to the acidic starter SCOBY. Instead of using a little from each completed batch and essentially reintroducing it into a new batch, I use acidic starter SCOBY in each batch that is an aged kombucha using a tea blend that I wanted to take some time to break down. I mentioned in another episode that I use different tea bases for each of my kombucha flavors. And to cut right to it, half of these flavors are an herbal blend. 
And I have done some trials and errors in the past reintroducing the finished herbal tea kombucha SCOBY to another batch. And I realized that it performed very different to that of my kombucha bases that use black or green teas. I then started to use black or green tea reserved from another batch into my herbal brews and I noticed a healthier pellicle forming and it fermented faster. It was then at that time that I was listening and researching about SCOBY health techniques and things like that and just trying to become more consistent with each of my brewing batches and came across using acidic SCOBY starter for all of my batches. So how does one make starter? Well, again, I'm a beginner, but from what I have learned from my research and now in my trials, a strong acidic starter is kombucha that has been aged for at least a month to allow the acetic acids to populate and for the sugars to basically be eaten entirely out of it. A kombucha vinegar, really, as some refer to it. And there's a low pH that is in the low 2 range. And for me, I also do a taste test. And if it's basically not super bearable to sip on, that's a good acidic starter culture. Going back to the tea base that I use, teas such as green tea and black tea that have a more strong tannin count can help to feed the bacteria. And okay, I'm giving you a C plus explanation here, but it is a more nutrient rich to then help kickstart fermentation and produce a strong culture. So I actually just chose black tea and I have aged that kombucha until those conditions that I described before. Having a consistently strong acidic SCOBY starter has personally helped me with consistency of flavor. It's even helped me with maintaining my alcohol levels. And I have yet to, knock on wood, have any mold form because I am introducing right away a very low pH starter. For my seven gallon fermenters, I would always have two symbiosis fermenter trays dedicated solely to creating acidic liquid starter. And that worked pretty well with the place that I was at. However, as I have now scaled and doubled, the tricky part was to have enough starter for all of my new symbiosis trays, and that I did not have prepared. And really, that was simply because I didn't have the space or even the vessels to create it, and I needed to find a solution. To give you a better idea, if all goes well, my brewing capacity would be 198 gallons or, okay, hold on, 749 liters or 5.6 barrels. <laughs> I'm trying to get better at the metric system. <laughs> But for each tray, I introduce 15% starter, which may seem like a lot. I hear you. I hear you. But again, I have found that using more starter up front helps with the prevention of mold. It quickens fermentation. And even from my early home brewing days, if it called for one cup of SCOBY, I would add two cups. I read somewhere about adding more SCOBY on a random Reddit thread, and I'm so grateful that I did because I've always have had success driving down the pH and avoiding mold. So doing all this math, I would need to have roughly two and a half gallons of starter for each 16 gallon batch, and I have several 16 gallon batches to do. So the question was, where was I going to house gallons and gallons of liquid SCOBY, and what would I do to maintain this culture? I saw other kombucha brewers who do this acidic starter method utilizing large steel tanks or plastic IBC totes to house their culture, which both can house hundreds and hundreds of gallons. And I was needing something similar in the like 70 to 100 gallon range, but also that would not take up as much space as, for example, an IBC tote because I was very limited in my brewing space. 
And I got pretty dang lucky. As I mentioned, I have been brewing out of a commercial beer brewery. And to keep it light and sweet, as I think this would make a great episode in the future, I am learning a lot. There are so many similarities brewing kombucha as there is brewing beer. And time and time again, I have learned of pieces of equipment that could help me in my brewing. Well, I was jostling my mind trying to think about what type of vessel could hold a bunch of starter and fit into my little piece of the brewery. And what do you know? There is a plastic conical fermenter in the corner collecting dust not being used that had a capacity of 90 gallons. The perfect capacity. And it was already on a stand that propped it off the ground. And it literally, I kid you not, could almost fit exactly to the inch in the place that I needed it to be in my brewing area. So I approached the owner and I asked him if I could buy it off of him if he was not using it. And he agreed and he gave me a sweet deal. He so understands where I'm coming from as a past home brewer himself and was so nice to help me with this. But I power washed it. I made sure there wasn't any leftover beer because holy scoby scaries, they do not like beer yeast. And then I cleaned, sanitized, and then I put the liquid scoby in the top and I would decant from the bottom. I have a little butterfly valve on the bottom that I use. Now that I had the proper vessel to hold the starter, I had to create the starter. (laughs) Hindsight, I wish I had found this vessel earlier. But even if I did have it, I realized that it would have been extremely hard to create more starter using my seven gallon trays because anytime I chose to designate a tray towards a starter, I can't use it to brew kombucha to sell, which is really hard for me to keep up with the demand, make rent. It's all a balancing act. So now we are going to introduce my new symbiosis fermenters with double the brewing capacity. I thought to myself, I should start making starter in one to two of these 16 gallon trays and brew the others so that I can increase my output to sell. But then I realized that I would be running into a problem sooner than later. Eventually, even though I brewed 32 gallons of starter, for example, if I use one or two trays, that'd be 32 gallons, and I use two and a half gallons per batch, I'm gonna need to replenish faster than I was making new starter. And that's when I began freaking out because I was gonna run out. It was around that time that I had seen that Pete, owner of Harvest Roots Ferments in Alabama, announced online that he would be doing consultations to help answer any questions for microbreweries that were my size. He and his partner and other owner, Lindsay, are two people that I really look up to the most in the kombucha brewing world. And I reached out and I set up a consultation with them. I know I have referenced in other episodes before, but I would greatly recommend consulting about your business, whether that be with Pete or someone else in the industry who has been in the industry longer and can help you problem solve with problems you're having right now. And we met for an online chat and I was totally fangirling about it. He was so kind and he was extremely intentional and he gave me great feedback and helped me find solutions to some of my biggest questions. And one of them mainly was my SCOBY liquid starter. He shared that although it was going to be hard for timing as the summer markets are quickly approaching, he recommended racking all of my 16-gallon symbiosis fermenters and letting them all age for at least a month to make starter. He said that if I could do all of this setup now, I was really creating a strong foundation for myself for the future. And that's been my game plan ever since. I racked all of them with black tea and starter liquid kombucha from some of my 7-gallon fermenter trays. And for the past month, I have been anxiously, anxiously waiting to see if it worked. 
It was pretty nerve wracking because of the timing of the markets coming and the demand that I know is quickly approaching. And if the kombucha didn't ferment, I would have to start over, which means I would lose tons of kombucha and sales and ugh. anyways, I went for it. And I am happy to announce that several of my trays are now over a month old and have become strong enough acidic liquid starter. I took that starter and I filtered it into my conical plastic fermenter. And before you get on me for plastic, if you can afford and rock a stainless steel vessel, right on. I'm so proud of you. If you have a plastic IVC tote and rocking that starter, hey, I'm so proud of you too. Do you and I'm proud of where you're at. And I'm proud of me, okay? But now I am slowly but surely seeing... Mitty just wants to go outside. My cat has been begging me to go outside. So sorry. But now I am slowly but surely seeing my starter amount go up and up. And to maintain that, I have decided one 16-gallon symbiosis tray is always going to be designated towards creating starter. So if I begin to get low, I'm always going to have more to add. Okay, real quick, I wanted to revisit the pellicle because I am actually trying something with it. I haven't entirely ditched my SCOBY hotel. My seven gallon batches, which as I am still learning my bigger fermenters and to keep up with demand, I have decided to keep rocking those smaller ones for the foreseeable future. So I now have eight 16 gallon trays and 10 seven gallon trays. It's a lot to keep track of, but hey, I'm stoked. I'm here, let's keep doing this. But in my seven gallon trays, I have had a brew cycle of two weeks where I could then flavor and bottle. Remember, symbiosis trays have a larger top, so I'm exposed to a lot more oxygen than a conical fermenter might, allowing for faster fermentation. But I have noticed that my 16 gallon trays are not producing a batch in the same amount of time. I get it, it is a larger amount of liquid, but I have been researching and talking with other brewers who even use a similar system, and they suggested to use some of the pellicle to help speed in the process. The pellicle is saturated with bacteria and yeast, and it may be a nice supplement to the brew. So I have since introduced some pellicles to my trays, not huge ones, you know, or anything big, but a, a good amount that I am seeing if it may help with fermentation at all times. A good old science experiment. <laughs> or for the sake of this episode, another romantic date to get to know one another, which I can update you on in a future episode. But I hope this episode gave you more of a lens into my journey as I learn about my SCOBY and my brewing practices. There is still so much to learn and probably one day in the future I'll record another episode about this relationship because I know it will continue to evolve. Although I used to be a teacher, I often say that I will spend more of my life as a student. We are never done learning and I am happy and proud about where I am at and I will continue to brew to the best of my abilities. And I hope you feel proud of yourself as well as eager to learn in your own journey you're on, whether that be in the kombucha brewing world or mastering another craft. Because just like this wildly unique culture that is yours, you are unique in your path. Okay, that sounded extra corny, but also damn fitting and I'm just going to leave you there today. Uh, I am off to go wash out my coolers and pack up the car because tomorrow is our opening outdoor Saturday market. It's calling for rain, but hey, nothing is going to squelch my mood as I cannot wait to meet more people and share fermentation with everybody I know. This is really living full, you guys. This is super cool. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Reach out, say hello, share with me your brewing techniques. I'd love to know, and I'll catch you back on next week's episode. And until that time, be well and cheers. Cheers.